Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse, episode 230. I am Peter, and joining me today is, well, mm -hmm. Carter's not here. Carter's computer broke earlier today, so I guess I'm just talking to myself for two hours then. On, on your left. <laughs> that's what you went with. Yeah, that's what I went with. <laughs> we, can't, we can't play wrestling themes. You can't be like, by God! <laughs> Kane! That's gotta be Kane! Oh, it was a big one this week, Matt. I can't believe yeah, you're not referencing the huge one that happened a few days yeah, ago. Yeah, because I... Real, real quick, and not to not to ramble or anything, but I had it spoiled by somebody in a in a Facebook Messenger chat that I could mm. not. That it was one of those where you just click and then the picture's there. So I I had no warning. I was pretty grumpy, but yeah, yeah, um, yeah. If so... only if only I could swing down from the rafters. <laughs> so Matt is here. Matt is back. Um, cue the John Wick gif mm -hmm. somewhere. I don't have the ability to put it on the screen yeah. right now. Uh, and copyright stops me from doing it later, but just yeah. let it be known. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, I guess copyrights would uh, affect gifts, wouldn't they? Technically, they would. I, I don't think it's actually a big like. I, if I put a gif on the screen, I don't think it would actually be flagged or caught by anything. I, right. I think the audio is a lot more detectable, right. but uh, algorithmically, yeah, and all that stuff. Yeah, but yeah. hey, you know that's what it is. Uh, I will make it clear. It's going to it's going to look like Matt has jumped back in because Connor couldn't be here. That is not mm. the case. Matt was going to be here for this episode, regardless. Yeah, again, <laughs> there there's no hard commitment, but as you know, um, it it Connor not being able to be here did did edge it more towards, and uh, the 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 fact that this morning was going to be going candle shopping at Bath and Body Works. I was kind of like, hey, I have, I have some comics I can talk about, too. You know? <laughs> <laughs> For the record, I still don't like Beater of People. I don't like Beater of People even more now. Mm. So, yeah. Well, we're here. It's a DC Comics podcast. Coming up on today's show, we have some big books to talk about. It's not a big book week in terms of numbers, but in terms of what the books are, actually quite meaty. So, we have Justice League Endless Winter Issue 1. This is the start of the nine-part series, which is taking place over the five Wednesdays, or Tuesdays, if you're, I suppose, these days, uh, of December. And this is part one. So it's just the one part this week, but I think it's like two. Yeah, it has to be two parts every other week now, uh, mm -hmm. going forward. So that is coming up. We also have Batman 104, Deceased Dead Planet number six. We have Batman Catwoman issue one, the, the Tom King series that finally materialized and appeared before us. <laughs> for uh, better or for worse. Because uh, <laughs> it feels off. That, that, uh, that's a double meaning right there because it's also yeah. marriage related. So that was, that was a mm -hmm. nice touch. Mm -hmm. uh, we got Strange Adventures issue seven. Um, that is kind of the main five. Although Matt did also brave uh, Tales from the Dark Multiverse, War of the Gods, or sorry, Wonder Woman, War of the Gods mm -hmm. issue one. I did not because I was so down on the last one and it was like a 50-page book that I went, you know what? I'm good. And and you feel every page of those 50, <laughs> let me tell you. So I made that choice. Uh, Far Sector did come out this week. Now, it turns out Matt had basically made the same choice I had in his, abs in, in his absence where... The last couple of issues, I'd have been really struggling to remember anything that had happened previously. Uh, so I made the choice to to wait. Now I presume that Connor might still have read it had he been here this week, but he's not. So right. uh, there will be no discussion of that. But it's not because it's a bad book. I want to make that clear. The book was really solid when I 
when it was consistently coming out and i could yeah, remember yeah. what was going on it's definitely one of those ones that wasn't because of quality it's just because the the way same, same with joker harley criminal sandy a book i was really enjoying it just mm. the shipping schedule on it would by design you know although our sector wasn't originally every other month right no it was it started monthly. It was after the because right. I had the big break because of uh, yeah. pandemic, and then right. it was switched to bi monthly. And at that point, it was like, I mean, maybe who knows? Maybe if it hadn't had that like three month break because of the pandemic, maybe it would have fared mm -hmm. a little bit better. But right, right, right. But yeah, so yeah, so it's not one of those ones you drop because of quality. I'm definitely excited to get back to it. Yeah, when, when I can. But. I think it'll be a good trade read when you can read all twelve of them in, mm -hmm. in one sitting. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, there you go. We do have a little bit of news as well uh, before we get into the books. Because uh, some juicy things. I mean, they're not surprising things, but they're a little bit juicy in that we're starting to actually get teases of the books that we're going to have as ongoings after Future State, after February. So, starting off, uh, we have a couple here. So these are in two articles on Newsarama. They're split into two batches here. Um, we have uh, a Suicide Squad series, which is going to be coming from the same team who are doing, or at least the same writer who's doing the story in the Future State Mini, which is Robbie Thompson, who's going to be doing that with Eduardo Pansica, and notably Peacemaker, the John Cena character mm -hmm. who's getting his own TV show, of all things, uh, is front and center on that cover. So it feels like yeah. this is going to have a little bit of synergy with the, yeah. the movie happenings. Peacemaker, a.k.a. not the comedian from... Uh... Mm -hmm. Watchmen, but basically, yeah. So that's interesting for sure, especially yeah. in this post post Doomsday Clock Watchmen Rorschach kind of world. That's an interesting take. Yeah, it also says a Talon on the cover, mm -hmm. uh, although not necessarily as part of the team. It looks like the Talon might be what they're fighting. Uh, yeah. So um, uh, Josh Williamson posted a art uh, preview from one of the books he's working on. Mm. And there was a baned out Talon on this uh, League of Injustice gang or whatever it was. I forget what the subtitle was. But so it was cool that they're kind of bringing the Talons back a little bit. But yeah. So uh, that's that. And that's, I mean, all of this kind of falls into place what we've been saying for a couple months now, which is the teams that are on the Future State 2 issue minis are probably the teams by and large that are going to be on these ongoings when they launch in March. Uh, and similar idea, uh, I believe, to that. And this is one. This is the one I'm most excited for out of all this. Is uh, Ram V and Mike Perkins are going to be the team on a new Swamp Thing ongoing. That is delightful news. Mm -hmm. Um, for a couple of reasons. One, because I I want a new Swamp Thing book. It's been a while since we had an ongoing Swamp Thing book. Mm -hmm. Uh, and secondly, because I have been loving the shit out of his Catwoman book. So, uh, I'm on the Ram V train. There you go. Yeah, he's he seems like this is the. Thing that he really wanted to do because from his justice league dark with the way that ended with swamp thing like you could tell there was so much more so it's real cool that he's getting to do the story just there yeah uh, and i think just like dark's continuing with him as well i don't think that's yeah i just mean with the way that yeah. it ended with with you know you guys covered it but with man bat realizing that there's still something going on within the swamp thing mm. whatever's left of him so it, it gave him an exit from Justice League Dark to just do the Swamp Thing stuff he wants to do on the solo title. So that's cool news. And May Perkins, again, I think is a perfect artist for Swamp Thing. He he, mm -hmm. he excels when it comes to the shadows and when it comes to the dark mm -hmm. sides of the, the world and all that. So yep. 
uh as uh, super exciting stuff i'm happy about that uh th i mean the suicide squad book i mean i'm not against it i'm not for it I i'll see how it is but I it, i'm not expecting yeah. anything in in this day and age there has to be a really exciting name attached what, you mean like tom taylor to suicide squad <laughs> yeah to make me care about it um and that's nothing against robbie thompson i just you know it's just a a brand that i'm not that you know fond of I do wonder if we'll get the uh, the follow up to that Suicide Squad uh, in March. You know, the Revolutionaries, whatever they may end up be called. On, I would bet on it because yeah. the stuff that Taylor does, he seems to thrive on on the the book shifting like that. So uh, I, maybe it won't be called the Revolutionaries. Maybe it'll be something else. But yeah. I definitely think we'll get something. Yeah, I think one of the things I thought of is that maybe they'll end up in another book. Kind of like how it was a Suicide Squad book, but it was mm -hmm. really their book. I could see them being in, like, I don't know, pick something else. But it's, it's really theirs, yeah, but it's well, the, they're latching on to something else. I definitely feel, like, from the stuff I've been reading since I've been off about the comic industry, and with some of these future state books that are almost anthologies, mm. I definitely feel like the return of the anthologized book is coming well, where you'd get, like, Half of it's a revolutionary's book, and then half of it's something else. And you call it like, you know, all-time war stories or something from DC's past. You know, yeah. uh, something along those lines. And that way, you get this double-sized book. You're not printing two books. You're just printing the one. I don't know how much that factors in, but you know, that's just it. Seems to be where comics are going because I still don't buy the Warner shuttering the whole you know physical end of things right the, oh the yeah yeah shouting out so you know with digitally you could even release those separately digitally like it doesn't even have to you know i almost feel like the the way that dc was doing digital where there's so many and then they released the one big one i feel that's kind of the wave of the future uh, yeah, i'm going right. forward but yeah so it'll be interesting to see how like if that starts being the main books then how mm -hmm. do you know like I mean, we would be covering the digital versions, I suppose, because they come first right. and they're, they're the talking points. Well, but... going through my comic collection back here, yeah. I definitely have to cut my physical intake because I'm running out of room. Like, legit, like I was running out of room two years ago when I moved. I'm definitely, yep. like, I, I went down to my garage and I have to re rearrange things to make room. So something's got to give on my end. Um, and if it's <laughs> digital, then so be it. I feel like uh, if Matt's existence on this show from day one has been a song, then the chorus of that song is, I need to come back on physical books. I do, <laughs> I it's very digital. difficult though. I'm no room. <laughs> I, th there was a while um, when when I wasn't recording every week that some some would uh, stack up on others, so some weeks I'd only spend like $10, and my wife would be like, oh, the see, that's great, you are cutting back. And then smash cut to the next week when I pick up the ones I didn't get the yeah. week before. <laughs> <laughs> to, to now it was $40. She goes, wait, I thought you were cutting back. I was like, no, it's law of averages, honey. <laughs> like, it's still averaging about 2025. Yeah, you have to look so, at the, the month total. Uh, yeah, and, and not the weekly total. Yeah, and yeah. That hasn't shifted much. But it also doesn't help that, you know, like these tie-ins for metal are six bucks physically, mm -hmm. you know. So, yeah. That's yeah. what it is. Uh, so the next series that they announced coming, and I think we're both going to be... I mean, I don't really know the names here to be excited too much, yeah. but I am excited that we're finally going to have a Green Lantern book that is not part of Grant Morrison's yeah. season two uh, nonsense. And and if their, their future state team can, you know, 
if that carries over, it's going to be a John Stewart focused. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Because because uh, the the team that are doing this, uh, Jeffrey Thorne and art by Tom Tom Rainey. Uh, they're doing one of these stories because a lot of the, the bigger books in Future State are actually like anthology books where there's like three stories that are ongoing between the two or three mm-hmm. issues. Uh, yeah. So their story is called The Last Lanterns and that is about John Stewart. So there's a chance that that might mean that we're getting a John Stewart ongoing Green Lantern book, which would be a cool thing to see. Hopefully yeah. it's good. Uh, I like John and I, you know, I, I guess your favorite lanterns, you know, kind of like your kids, you, you like them all, but there's ones you like a little bit more. And it's, Stuart's always in that middle that I wish I had more definitive stories from. Like, I know there's Mosaic and all that stuff, but recently there's not a lot. He's always just kind of a supporting character, whatever's going on. And then he also, he's going to get his own book. That's real cool. I'm excited for that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Newsarama are saying there's five confirmed titles because they're counting just mm-hmm. like Dark Returning as one. But I mean, that's just mm-hmm. continuing. I, I wouldn't count yeah. that. Uh, but the next book they've got here is an interesting one. This is a uh, Teen Titans Academy, and this is the older, like original New Teen Titans, kind of setting up a school for the younger heroes uh, to train them. Boy, where's that familiar? I don't know. So it's very X Men sounding, isn't it? Uh, well, even that was John's take when he relaunched it back in '03. Was oh, he had true, the older yeah. heroes that were guiding the young Justice kids and became my definitive Teen Titans um so yeah but no it is also very x-men yeah and apparently the future state story this is kind of spinning out of um mm-hmm. so again this is uh tim sheridan writing with rafa sandoval in the art uh the, like apparently the future state story does feature like the future of like the downfall of this academy so we're kind of going to get like this weird ending of it before we then okay here's what it is mm-hmm. in the present day here's what so almost, a days of fu- almost a days of future past <laughs> <laughs> so uh, and apparently Red X is going to feature and there's like a preview mm-hmm. Teen Titans page with Red X on it. No, Blake, there's also a character that looks like a cross between Nightwing and Deathstroke, which I saw at least one person, I think it was talking Superman column Dickstroke on mm-hmm. Twitter, which stuck with me for obvious reasons. Yes, of course it did, because you love Dick. Uh, <laughs> songs, forget. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, you could have gone with uh, Deathwing or uh, Nightstroke's real bad too. Um... <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> dick strokes. Uh, that's a tough sale. Yeah, maybe you don't want to put that on your cover. Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming that's not his actual name. I mean, that's, no, that's, I yeah. no, just suspend disbelief for a second. Yeah, um, yeah. I, just... I don't know about this one because the whole Red X and like I get there's a whole generation of people that came up on the Cartoon Network show and love the concept of, of Red X. I just I don't know. It seems weird. Yeah, I, I I really like the concept of this book. Again, it's one of those things where I'm not that familiar with the writer, so I have no idea what mm-hmm. to expect in terms of quality. So I'll have to see what the Future States book's like. And even if I don't like that, I'll still probably try issue one of this just to see how the actual book is. Because it's why it's, it's kind of like how when we started Rebirth and we had all those Rebirth one-shots. And even mm-hmm. the Rucka one for the Wonder Woman series wasn't that good. You know, that book got yeah. great with issue one onwards, but that Rebirth yeah. issue was kind of shaky. Yeah, so, right. So even if I don't like some of these Future State 2 shots, I'm still probably going to be like, oh, well, I'll still give issue one of the actual book a chance because it's not... Yeah, it's not indicative of the creative team because they're yeah. writing with a with that Future State in mind. Yeah. So then, you know... Yeah, it's kind of uh, like judging like a new book that you've not tried yet based on just a tie-in issue. It's, right. It's not really right. fair. Because Future State does feel like convergence to me, but not in the way like it's just a stopgap. Yeah. Let's hold over time where it is we're going to take a break from what we're doing and 
focus on one thing or even what was the one back in the new 52 futures end yeah. where for the whole month they did futures end and it and it feels a little bit more like that so you can't judge like you couldn't judge the what was the real bad futures end that i read there was a lot that were bad i skipped i, but, I happily skipped that yeah. one so I, <laughs> yeah so I, I picked up a couple and there was ones that were really bad of books that i was really enjoying maybe like the green arrow one yeah you're just like oh this is this is not so good Obviously, this is similar to those two things, and that it's like you know, in that case, it was a month. In terms of convergence, it was two months. Mm-hmm. I think this one feels a lot bit more relevant to what's going forward because it is actually yeah. relaunching things right after. It does feel like it's leading right. into something. So, right. Uh, hopefully, that that works out in our favor. But uh, mm-hmm. we'll see. We'll see how Future State uh, has. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we're starting endless winter today. And uh, the one last bit of news uh, to mention here is it's becoming a bit of a running joke. Uh, but given that the movie's finally got a release date that they're sticking to because it's coming to HBO mm-hmm. Max, uh, the Wonder Woman 1984 variants are finally hitting in January of 2021. And because the movie is coming out on Christmas Day, mm-hmm. this should actually stick this time. So some of these Future right. State issues... So this is the weird thing. These covers were done for ongoing books, and now they're all for Future State books because it's right. January. So, right. I mean, which I guess for the speculators, that'll drive something. But for someone like me, I'm just like, oh, if it's got a cool cover, I guess... You know, but like yeah. I know there's a Frisian one in there that I'm gonna have to track down. Um, so I love Jenny Frisian's art, but yeah, I mean, I'm happy Wonder Woman's coming out. I'm not so much about the variants, like, it's at this point, they could have done them at any point, right? Like, yeah, so I mean, at least it's not Marvel with the internals or Eternals, uh, and they're what is it, 27 different ones for the first issue? Oh, I think it was worth, I think it was like 30 something, 30 something. Yeah. I, I want to say 39. I don't know why, but the number 39 stuck yeah. in my head there. It's a whole lot. And it's just like, <laughs> yeah. That, and someone pointed out, if you're who is on Twitter, goes, that's more variance than probably this thing's going to run just because of Marvel. Yeah. You know, like they don't get up to that number anymore. Yeah. All right. So before we actually get into the books, I just want to actually just run through the checklist for Endless Winter because it is bouncing around a lot of different books. So I just want to, like, mm-hmm. every week I'm going to do this before we actually start reading the or talking about the first book we're going to do. So. Uh, so obviously today we're going to be talking about Justice League Endless Winter Issue 1. That one's nice and easy, because it's the first mm-hmm. one. Uh, but just to run through the rest of this checklist, which we've done before, but I think it's worth reiterating this every week whilst we're doing this, so you know what you're getting next week. So next week you're going to have The Flash 767 as Part 2, and then Part 3 is Superman Endless Winter Special Issue 1, so those are both next week. Week mm-hmm. after, Part 4 is Aquaman 66, and Part 5 is Justice League 58. Part 6 is Teen Titans' Endless Winter Special Issue 1. Part 7 is Justice League Dark 29. Part 8 is Black Adam Endless Winter Special Number 1. And Part 9 is Justice League Endless Winter Issue 2. Which And obviously that last one's on the, yeah. the uh, 29th. Uh, just a mail correction as well is that it's not two per week. It's actually two next week, three the following week, two the week mm-hmm. after that, and then the final week, much like this week, is just the one Endless mm-hmm. Winter uh, Justice League So you're Capstone or, or yeah. bookends. Yeah. yeah, so uh, that's what's coming uh, for this story. So we'll get started then. Justice League mm-hmm. Endless Winter, issue one, which is obviously the start of this nine-part series. Uh, Andy Lanning and Ron Mars writing with Howard Porter and Marco Santucci on the art in this particular issue. And yeah, so this is the thing. Like We had some vague ideas of like, okay, this ancient Justice League that mm-hmm. fought, fought this like Frost King dude, but... I'll be honest, I'd forgotten all of this. I, I went into this almost oh, yeah? completely cold today. No pun intended. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, this is one thing I definitely was excited for. Like, this is... 
Not that I had to catch up for this, but this was the when I picked up my books on Wednesday. This is the first thing I read, mm-hmm. um, and so yeah, I mean, I mean, it's Viking Justice League though, like it's right so on brand, um, and and yeah, it's and to see the Howard Porter art, I think that's real, real good because he has a pulpy kind of vibe to his art, and this mm-hmm. is a very pulpy book to to start with. I mean. <laughs> we have a, a team drilling up by the old re- remnants of the Fortress of Solitude, you know, and so yeah. I was getting just it was giving me plunge vibes, you know, which has ended a couple months by now. But, yeah, just that that kind of pulpy horror monster unleashing from the start. And I loved it. Joe's I, I quite like this issue. And mm-hmm. it's not that it's the best thing ever. But Mm-mm. there's some things that I really liked about it, and one of them is that it felt like a mid two thousands like crossover or event mm-hmm. to me, in the sense that it felt like there was a lot of things from current continuity that were being referenced, and it felt like a part of a cohesive world, um, such as the fortress. Okay, so this is like someone yep. from Rocks and uh, not Rocks and that's the Marvel. Uh, yeah, but <laughs> Stag, Stag not, Industries. Though. It's Stag, but yes. it, and then the yeah, so the guy that is doing him, like, who is this guy? And and Sapphire says it's my brother, so of course I have to look stuff up. And mm-hmm. how do I finish the terrifics? Uh, Yang ah. introduced this character as a rival to to Sapphire in the family business. So that's a, that's a another current day continuity huh? thing that they're they're using. Yeah. That's actually really cool because yeah. you got that you got the fortress having been moved. So this is them digging in the Arctic at the old fortress mm-hmm. site where there's just you know remnants of crystals and stuff lying around. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's other references in here. There's references to the fact that Aquaman just got married. Uh, yep. and he should be planning his honeymoon. Trying to get home to his wife and daughter, which I thought, this is the most blue-collar Aquaman's ever been. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, references to Clark, of course, like revealing his identity to the world. It, was just, it felt like there was a lot of little things sprinkled throughout that really made it feel like this was a part of the ongoing world. And don't get me wrong, I think if this was something that was going to be spread out over nine months, one issue at a time, it would mm-hmm. probably, oh my god, this, this would not have the steam to last that. Is a one-month yep. thing, just based on this first issue, is a one-month thing, I think I'm going to have fun with this. Yeah, definitely. And I felt the same way. Sometimes I can sound like a broken record because I do love the inner connectedness of the DC Universe. It's like why I read comics. And so just the fact that we got this from the start was really cool. Just seeing the Justice League interact in that way. Um, and also this is the first time I think I read a, a landing book at DC. Mm. Because Abnett's been here for a while now. Um, and so I don't think I read too much of the DNA stuff, I, a couple over at Marvel. But they both seem to have a real good take on, like, not introducing characters, but weaving them in and out to where they each get a moment. Almost like on a yeah. TV show when there's a crossover episode. I, I actually really Because sometimes I think the worst part of a comic book can be the build to the villain because it can feel mm-hmm. kind of whatever. I actually love the stuff in the Arctic building up to, like, what, you know, mm-hmm. just the excavation, they're digging for something. Because, I, I mean, you were thinking uh, Plunge. Amusingly, I was thinking something that inspired that. I was thinking of the thing. I was thinking thing, of right. that, that sort of stuff. And right. uh, that was making me excited because I was like, okay, what are they going to unearth? What are they going to do? Uh, mm-hmm. So the opening part of the book, though, is just this, you know, Justice League tracking down a bunch of B tier villains. Uh, who are hiding off in a tropical country. Which which I loved, although one of them does not deserve to be there. And I, I'm going to have to write a sternly lettered, a sternly <laughs> worded letter Is this Catman? to DC. Yes. Yes. Come on, Come on Catman. Catman's above B level. He's like A minus level. And he's not really a villain. <laughs> give, him his, give him his street grade. But, um, 
soon as I saw Icicle, I knew I could trickle Pete by making him think it was a yeah another cold themed villain. Not quite cold snap, but no. But I do appreciate Icicle and the fact that we have a new one by the end of this called Frost King. Yeah. It's like, okay, the, the ranks. Yeah. If, if, if Frost King at some point doesn't, doesn't assemble the Icicle Avengers at some point, I don't mm-hmm. know. <laughs> like, he's definitely, like, Mr. Freeze is going to definitely know what's going on with, with Frost King, right? Like, that's just a natural oh. progression. I, I love the idea of Mr. Freeze, because obviously the book ends with, like, you know, snow falling upon the entire planet at the same time, which uh-huh. is weird from a weather point of view. And he, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and he walks out. I, I love the idea of Mr. Freeze just walking out of his like, apartment or his Arkham cell and just going, right. has come to Gotham, and then just walking back. Yeah. <laughs> also, him just looking up and going, yes, and he could take his helmet off because it's that <laughs> cold. You know, like, um, but yeah, there, there's a lot of other stuff that, in between the leading up because and I, I gotta say it's paced really really well in that we get the justice league stuff and then the stag stuff balanced yeah but in between that we have this this uh interpersonal things with the justice league so it's like barry asking each of them how they balance work and in, in you know their home life like which is just a very it seemed more wally west to me than Barry Allen, but I'll, I'll take I, it. I, I kind of love the payoff, though, where he he goes to ask Batman last and then just doesn't bother finishing the question because it's Batman. Yeah. No. Also, him pointing out that, uh, of course, Batman's got a really cool winter suit. Yes. On standby. I thought that was real funny. It makes sense. Um, uh, but yeah, just them, them working all that in and just so you do get the feeling that these are... They know each other. I thought the pacing you know? was really good as well. I, I think the book's the right length. It's, a bit, it's longer than a regular issue. Mm-hmm. But it's not like fifty pages. It's like you know, it's something in the thirty oh. something page yeah. range, uh, at least Probably in the digital 36. version. Yeah, yeah. If I had a guess, um, uh, but it feels like okay. It's big enough that it feels a bit more like at the start of an event. And I, I'm not sure if the the rest of the issues are this long, or if it's just the bookends that are going to be this long. Um, right. You know, like I could see maybe like Flash, whatever the number is next week, being mm-hmm. regular length, but then the ones that are called special, special. number ones being yeah. a bit longer. I mean, we'll see. Right, but yeah. It felt just the right length to me to make you feel a bit bigger, a bit more special, but not so big that I was sitting going, oh, this is a 60-page slog yeah. or something like that. And also, I was giving sole credit to Lanning, and then I remembered Ron Mars, who's also, you know, mm-hmm. late 90s, early 2000s. That was his heyday, writing Green Lantern. It, I mean, Kyle's his character. Oh, for sure. It, uh, do you know what it is? It, feel, it does feel like an old-school comic in a lot of ways, in yeah. a way that's kind of refreshing to me, because... Mm-hmm. So many books are don't feel like this anymore, and I think if this was co- if we constantly were getting this, I'd get tired of this too. But you yeah. know, variety is the space of life. We need a mix of yeah. both new and, and old styles. And when we we get to some of the other books, you know, as much as I like the black label, mm. sometimes it's nice to have a cheeseburger when when you're getting fancy meals all the time. You know, that yeah, yeah. can just be this fun thing. And so yeah, I also had to credit Ron Mars there because I'm sure that had a lot to do because that dude's a just seeing him on Twitter, you know he loves the DC universe. So, you know, I'm sure him, he was adding things in there. As and well. I think having having it all take place in December, like having the whole thing come out in December, it's good because of the whole one month like condensed. It right. feels like a cool thing in a snapshot of time. But because it's December, the fact that they've got the story set at Christmas and there's Christmas trees and it's snow themed, right. it really feels like a nice like festive treat. It does. Just to yeah, well, I'll read this over the next month. Well, We'll be having the conversation as endless winter a Christmas comic like we do with with Die Hard. You know, <laughs> it totally years. is. It's already a Christmas yes. comic. I will. I will not. Yes, yes, yes. Except so, otherwise. But yeah, and then when we get to the 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 Frost King and him coming out and just 
he's got these like Norse mythological ice creatures, you know, that are attacking the Justice League and they realize they're not sentient. So, you know, field day, wrecking them out and stuff. I thought that was yeah. cool. Yeah, they get to go, go wild on them because uh, Flash was with uh, Black Lightning and his daughters mm-hmm. uh, pelting with the tree. That's right. And he gets called away. He's like, hey, we've got a situation in the Arctic and mm-hmm. it's after they fight whatever... Uh, and I think it may actually be after Frost King leaves where Superman mm-hmm. realizes, oh, wait, this is where my fortress was. Like, this yep. is suspicious. Uh, and the Frost K- King sees, you know, he sees this Viking, just he sees Hippolyta, he sees Black Adam, he sees uh, the other one whose name I've not remembered yet, uh, Viking Prince or something like that. Yeah, Viking Prince. There you go. Think, yeah. think Prince Valiant, but he's a Viking. Like, oh, that's, sure. He's this old DC pulpy character. Um, Needs a better name than Viking Prince, but we'll work on it. Can't call him Thor, you know, but... Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. So, basically, Superman feels responsible that maybe his Kryptonian tech being above his resting place has actually... Because mm-hmm. he, he mentions that he he read Kryptonian, like, energy centers coming off of him, so maybe yeah. the Kryptonite or the Kryptonian crystals the sunstones, tech, yeah. yeah they, whatever they've, it is. They've made him stronger, potentially. But we get this montage of just winter coming to, well, everywhere. Mm-hmm. We see Gotham, Manhattan, Metropolis, Kandak even, you know? Yep. In fact... Yeah, Black Adam looks pissed. He, and not he, just because this old, old villain came back up, but <laughs> he does. He seems like me. He doesn't like the cold. Yeah, so, no, he... But he does clearly recognize this. He's like, oh, after all this yeah. time, it's happening again. So it feels like Black Adam might be a... I mean, that's why he's got a special, presumably, later on in the, right. the story. Right, right. Well, yeah, we, we see him at the end with this Viking Justice League because yeah. uh, we get to the end and you see Hippolyta um, coming to the the wizard. Yeah. And he goes, well, you know, and it's it's during the Viking Age, so we're in the, the 900s, and he's, you know, the, the wizard gives him this speech about how he had to lock away his champion and you're playing with fire if we release him. She's like, well, it's really important. We're going to need him. And then so we get this tease and, you know, she says Shazam and unleashes the power of Black Adam, who who's got a real cool, you know, King Tut headdress to go with with this version of Teth Adam, you know. Yeah, this uh, is the uh, William the Bloody version of uh, yeah. Black Adam. I, I'm not sure I get that reference. <laughs> it's the head television show Buffy the Vampire gotcha. Slayer. That was Spike's uh, okay. name back in the day. Like William so it's gotcha. kind of like how Angel is to Angelus. So the idea is the gotcha. Angelus version of Black. But he was, yeah. he's you know worse. He's gotcha. nastiness. Whereas now he's a bit I more of an anti hero, so. Right. Yeah, I need to restart rewatching Buffy. They've been doing that at my comic shop. So when I've gone in to get my stuff, mm. it's just on. Um, and I was like, I, sh- I should give this a rewatch while I have some time. But yeah. Um, and I would have picked up on that one. But, uh, but yeah, so really big threat. It seems like it took, you know, Ancient Swamp Thing, whoever he is, which I'm excited because I love seeing the different versions. Ever since uh, Snyder's version, where we saw the the dinosaur swamp thing, and I was like, oh, who's who's the different ones at this point? Um, and then of course you have Hippolyta and Viking Prince, Black Adam. I'm sure they'll add to it um, because yeah. they like to have a, you know, you like to have the not cognates, but like who represents who? So you know, like Superman's like Black Adam, you know, Batman's like Viking Prince, Swamp Thing's himself, of course. Hippolyta's Wonder Woman, so. Do we get a speedster, Green Lantern? Yeah, do we get a type of speedster? Because, you know, Jason Aaron over in Marvel did this kind of thing where he had a the prehistoric Avengers, but he also, in one story, had the Viking Avengers, which was really cool. So, 
It's really uh, impressive yeah. if you managed to rip off a DC story before the, the DC story happened. It is, it really is. Impressive. Or, you know, yeah, it's almost <laughs> like he gets out ahead of things, you know? <laughs> uh, no, I had fun with this. I, I think it felt like a nice big kind of, I mean, I, 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 it's weird to say summer event, but it is in the, mm-hmm. the context of like how the, the, the yeah. fun action-y kind of vibe it feels. But notably, it's a Christmas event, and it's all set at Christmas. I like the, the build to this stuff. Uh, the art is... The art is good. I will say, you know, I, I like Porter's stuff, but sometimes his faces are a bit wonky. Like, you know, that's I think they that's are. just, you know, how he, how it looks. Yeah. But it is very cartoony. It's very comic booky in a lot of ways. And I, I hate saying that because it's such a, like... No, but there is a there's a way where, it's like, you wouldn't describe Strange Adventures with that one-two punch no. of, of artists as comic booky, you know? So, no, there there is. Like, it sucks. And you're talking to a guy that describes things as pulp, and most people look at pulp as something that doesn't have much value right yeah so yeah yeah, yeah. so no i i get it but at the same time i know exactly what you mean and that's why i I like howard porter's art and it's also because i came up with him uh (laughs) because i came up with him doing flash it just it feels comforting like a blanket sure you know so yeah yeah no um i had fun with this what you giving it matt all right, so I wonder if I've recalibrated it all. Probably not, but I'm going to give this an 8.5. Really solid, out the gate, first entry. Yeah, I um, I don't know if I'll go with the 0.5. I'll, I'll say it a solid 8, but I will say I'm, having, I'm looking forward to reading the rest of this, and hopefully if it keeps the momentum that I feel this first issue has, the pacing is quite good, mm-hmm. then I think we're in for a fun romp. And, yes, I mean, and I mean that in every sense of the word. Like, I don't think it's going to be any more important than a romp, no. but that's okay. I'm off. I'm out for a Christmas romp. And and I, I wouldn't say I'm getting burned out on death metal, but death metal does not feel like a romp anymore. Oh, because it it's, very, it's yeah, it's this super super duper crisis just levels. It's sprawling, yeah, like epic piece within a piece type thing that's going on. And so to have this switch this up, it, I'm okay with it. That said, I am glad you're back for the last couple of main issues. Though death metal though just so for the, for the yeah. resolution and where it's going and blah blah i i mean and, and getting to a redemption of superboy prime like <laughs> yes what i hate him and i don't hate him here. oh it's, yeah were you not here weird. for that issue where he kind of no. made a face turn oh wow oh yeah oh yeah, yeah, yeah. oh no he is yeah, that would basically for, for me for the wrestling fans out there this would be like if, if suddenly i like Shawn michaels i do not like Shawn michaels <laughs> i am a bret hart guy through and through and I appreciate Shawn Michaels for what he's done and that there's other wrestlers that idolize him and have, have come, to do, come to do good things in the business. I don't like him as a character. And that's how I was with Superboy Prime. So suddenly for them to have him turn and then it all makes sense that, of course, you're going to have Superboy Prime turn when the Batman who laughs, who's become a god, the, he is the Bat God. You're going to have the real Superman. And, and honestly, it was, kind of, it was kind of a touching... Like the way Wonder yeah. Woman convinced them to do the right thing mm-hmm. was actually quite touching and kind of stood up for the idea of Superman in a weird way. And and kind of as much as I love Johns and I know that Johns is that's been his character and he's used him as a as a foil for many many characters. This is much more to me in line with Infinite Crisis version of Superboy Prime, who ultimately wanted to do the right thing. He just got corrupted from seeing that world do the wrong thing all the time. Right. Oh, that was that was this, good. Yeah. Um, so this seems like a logical conclusion to his story arc. So I, I am thinking that. I look forward to uh, discussing the next one then. Uh, mm-hmm. Once uh, we get back to those those plot threads. Yeah. 
Batman 104, James Tynan the fourth, and I've just written down too many artists because I was not writing down all four of them. <laughs> it, I, I mean, right off the gate, I did not like this issue, and it's mainly because of the art pacing and just I, the pacing. Here's the annoying thing: is I actually really like a lot of this issue story wise, um, and I have been very critical of the the the, the ghost face stuff because I, you know, I'm not a fan of like inserting a character into someone's I, backstory. I, I hate I'm, it so tired of this trope when it comes to batman yep it happens like, too often it happens way too often and i like for what he represents right so there's there's pieces of Ghostmaker i do like but i feel like with tying in on batman over this run it's been a lot of the same of i like what he's doing i don't like the execution um well i mean and, I, I really joke about i think with this issue oh. Where it works for me is where it takes it away from Batman and it makes it about Babs and Dick. And it's them right. talking about Ghost Ghostmaker. I said Ghostface because mm-hmm. that's, that's, yeah, the, screen, know, that's the screen villain. It's turning out that Dick knows something about this guy and tells Barbara the story. I like that way more than anything mm-hmm. else we've had about him because it was from the perspective of someone who was kind of like also going like, wait, who is this guy that Batman's got in his past? Like, at least this gave me like a conduit to work from. And plus, it's hard for me not to love. Let me, let me find the exact panel here. Yeah, I, I, as soon as I saw it, I knew. Yes, so basically Dick said, I'm on my way to Gotham since this is all going down. Do you have any operas in the field? And she mentions Cass and Steph are like in, in the city. And later on, Steph calls in and says, and I quote, Batgirl's calling in to Batgirl Prime. Mm-hmm. Yes! Yeah. Yes. And then the, the also quip, she goes, you know, we, we talked about this. I don't know if we should all be that. And she responds like, well, there's like four Robins and they have zero problems. There can be multiple back. Do you remember this conversation when Connor was what? trying to argue that we couldn't yeah. have multiple back girls? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like Titan. Like Titan's aware. He's, he knows. Yeah. He knows. So Well, it's to me, that's the thing that makes it DC. Like, sure, you can't have four Batmans running around, right? Because part of that character relies on on the prestige of that mm. title. But when it comes to the sidekicks, I mean, I don't mind having many flashes. Like in the perfect world, I can have Wally and Barry both operating as a flash and oh, Jay sure. Garrick, You I, know, so. so this is the this is the thing. Like I, I started this book and it starts off with uh you know the Batman, Harley and Clown Hunter uh, <sighs> tied down. And but when it's when it's when it cut to Barbara, mm-hmm. the art change is so drastic that I went, are you kidding me? What the hell is this difference? And the funny thing is, is that as that went on, I ended up enjoying that middle part of the book where it was Barbara talking to Dick. And then when he tells the story of the flashback again, it's a different artist, so it's jarring again. Um, So the actual story beats, and this is the thing that I've said consistently throughout this arc, is that all the stuff in the background with Barbara being being Oracle again and all the stuff around Gotham City, setting up the Gotham that we're going to be in for the next several arcs, all that stuff I like. The actual plot with Ghostmaker. Ghostmaker, yeah. yeah. Mr. Swords, as Harley called him, which I I did. I liked, and I and I will say, as, as critical as I've been of Harley in the past, I think Tynan is one of those uh, writers that gets her voice yeah, pretty been, well. I've been relatively so, enjoying it. I laughed out yeah. loud, actually, this issue when she's trying to talk uh, Clown because Clown Hart has been left untied, so he can go up and like right. grab a sword and he's going to kill Harley. Right. And Harley's trying to talk, <laughs> talk him out of it. And Batman just says, Harley... You were the other night he killed his parents. <laughs> and she's like, ah, shit. Yeah. <laughs> that made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is. It, it is. And I, and I just finished the Harley Quinn TV show last week. I finally got that one done. And it's 
so I've had a lot of that kind of Harley, which I do like, because it's not the overt, you know, the the Palmiati Connor winking at the camera constantly, but it is that that pacing of Harley. You were there when he killed when Joker killed his parents. Oh shit, you know. So yeah, it's it, it it's comedic timing, and not everybody has it, right? That's why they always say comedy's harder yeah, than yeah. drama a lot. And I feel like Tynan has it when it comes to Harley, which goes a long way. Um, I just, the Clown Hunter character, why is his font different? Like, how are we supposed to read that? Yeah, also, you know? I, I would also add, going back to the art here is a, is a problem, is that the last page, he looks like he's a 40-year-old man all of a sudden. when he's, yeah. cause he, cause well, he's And then some he looks like a 12-year-old, some he looks like a 42-year-old, and it's too inconsistent. Yeah, and... And this is the thing, it's not on Tynan. I can't really blame Tynan for no. it. This is, this is it's not even necessarily any one of the artists' fault, although we'll sit and complain about Gillian March's art till the you know cows come home. But it's more just editorial or whoever who are making these choices to like, oh well, we'll have just four artists on this issue and mm-hmm. that'll do. Uh it made it it was very distracting. And I'm not someone like if there's just two artists on a book, as long as they try and make it feel consistent, right. I can you know, I, I can look past it a way more than Connor can. Connor, like Connor, yeah. sat and complained about the art changes in the last issue, which were nowhere near as extreme as this. This is no, no. The last one was pretty good, um, but this, yeah, this, this is the same issues I had during like Batman and Robin Eternal, where mm. that one was weak, or Batman Eternal. That was weekly, so I get the changing in artists, but sometimes the quality of the art was just like they're just pumping it out because it was a weekly book. It's so, and I feel like here, that's what I feel like. There's so married to the idea of this being every other week still that the art's taking a hit it's weird though because you think at the very least because it's batman because it's biggest dc's biggest selling book typically month to month that they'd always have good artists on it they would never just put anyone on it but yeah we've been stuck with gillan march for however long uh i guess some people actually don't like his works i guess yeah part of me thinks too that while we might not like the the look of the art like um, I'll use JRJR since even even across Twitter it's been I've seen other people that don't complain about comics complaining oh. about his art on action. Oh. So yeah, yeah, so I think though that the writers like working with him creatively. So I think that goes a long mm. way too. So maybe maybe March is like that for Titan. Titan just likes working with them, and so we get stuck with the art that we don't enjoy. But creatively, it, whatever works works, right? And I feel. That's how I feel with Bendis. I feel like Bendis yeah. likes working with JRJR, and that's why. Because they have to be aware of it now that, that people aren't digging his art. You know? You would, Yeah, like, you would think they'd have noticed something by now. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because the story Dick tells Babs is uh, about how, how when he was robbing and Batman, they were hunting down mm-hmm. some C-lister, whoever it was, it didn't right. really matter. And they came across uh, uh, Ghost Hunter, or Ghost Maker. There's too mm-hmm. many new names. <laughs> Ghost Maker. And yeah. basically, Batman tells him the story of like, okay, well, as when I was training around the world, I, I met this guy who was kind of became my first real friend because we both mm-hmm. wanted to be the best crime fighters. We both wanted to learn all these martial arts. But then when he found out I was doing it out of this, you know, what happened to my parents, he saw it as like a weakness, as revenge. When mm-hmm. it's, you know, he's doing it for the art of of crime fighting. The oh, art of Matt. crime fighting. Mm. But who else has had to do that? <laughs> yeah. And I, and I was worried about it, and so apparently being off for months at a time has no yep. no bearing on it working, but yeah, maybe, maybe I'll uh, ask Santa for a new mic. We'll see what's going on. Maybe that's 
something in the cards. Yeah, I'll, I I still think it's actually it could just equally be the computer rather than the mic. So you'll get a new mic and you'll sound better, but yeah, right. <laughs> but it'll still do the yeah. thing. So um, what are we going on about there? When it went off, I can't remember. Oh, uh, Dick, uh, Dick talking to Batman about yeah, Ghost Hunter, Ghost Maker. Oh, about him. I I do like that that conversation of the whole the art of crime fighting, mm-hmm. right? Like how silly that sounds, but that's kind of been Batman's thing. Like his rules is almost an art among it too. So it shows you how far Bruce has come. That he he there really is an art to it because of the whole point. Of the struggle with Clown Hunter at the end is him killing people, and Batman's fully belief that that's not how you, that's not how we operate, you know. And the Gotham's almost a better place now than than it was. But I also like seeing Ghostmaker getting stuff done. Like he has these mobsters turning themselves in, and you know. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that Babs is telling the Batgirls and and Dick is that uh, like yeah, all the fourteen like heads of crime families have turned themselves in. Uh, Professor Pegg's just shown back up at Arkham instead of, you know, being on the wild like he has been. Uh, the other thing that happens is that they know where Batman is because uh, the plant that Harley had from Ivy has written the word Arkham on the wall, right. so they know so where I'm to go. I'm not going to be mad at. You know, it's, a, it's a Harley thing, and, or a Harley thing, an Ivy thing, and and I know from that special, I one it was, that had the Poison Ivy mm-hmm. stuff in it. That we're gonna get her story continuing now, so or now, almost now in, in January I think. So um, yeah. So just to, just to actually confirm who was on this book, right? Just to yeah. so we can see who it is. We have Ryan Benjamin and Danny Mickey and Bengal and Gillen March, uh, all listed as artists. Uh, it doesn't mention any inkers, so some of them may actually just be inkers, or some of them are self-inking. I don't know, but. Regardless, there's four names there listed as artists. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. So a whole lot. Uh, is what it is. Uh, what are you giving, uh, Batman one hundred four? Uh, this is a six. As as much as the fun stuff that was in there, yeah. I just, it, it definitely made me question. Like, do do I just want to keep reading Batman digitally? But I know I'm gonna have to get to the end of this arc just for my collection sure. section. Sure. It and, and I might just go digitally because I was gonna keep going until Tynan was done, and yeah. then just go digitally Batman. I this might force my hand though. The funny thing is, is that everything that again, everything he's doing with Babs, with Dick, with the the Batgirls, mm-hmm. all the stuff he's doing with Gotham as a setting, I love. So I'm still mm-hmm. really kind of excited about like the future stories, what arcs are past this. Uh, but yeah, I'm not loving Ghostmaker, and the art in this is jarring beyond and some of the art's just not that good but yeah. even even aside from that it's just jarringly shifting around from wildly different styles mm-hmm. so i think i'm i think i'll agree with the six because there is the mm-hmm. stuff i do like which is yeah. you know bad girls calling bad girl prime yeah why did yeah, i yeah. why did i not think of bad girl prime that is yeah. such a good idea <laughs> anyway there you yeah. go that's batman 104 uh Deceased, Dead Planet, issue 6, Tom Taylor, writing with Trevor here, sign on the art, as all the issues have been, uh, nice and consistent there mm-hmm. on that front. Uh, this issue has them finally kind of have a cure, uh, like uh, the 
They've unlocked it. Yeah, the, the greatest mines. We have Fate and Swamp Thing and Poison Ivy. And it's sort of lists why they're all eligible for this. And although, yeah. I have to ask, were you upset at the end of this page when... Because it explains, okay, Dr. Fate, uh, Ivy because she was a botanist and whatnot, Harley because she's a psychiatrist, right. Chimp because he's a, you know, greatest problem solver. And then it gets to the bottom, it says, and Batman because he's Batman. Yeah, I, I don't like that. And I feel... Loved it. <laughs> but I feel... But I feel like with Taylor, that's very tongue-in-cheek. Sure, 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 sure. It was like Damien because we he wouldn't let himself not be there. That's that's how I read it. Mm. Um, I did like seeing Wallace there. Like sure, yeah. him, him being there as the Flash representative is, is really, really cool. And I do like that the story has gone from a, a, a straight-up zombie book, right, where they have to leave Earth and go settle a new thing, to then we had Unkillables, which was a zombie movie they have to survive. Loved that Loved it. And and now this has become a almost dystopian future where it's like, hey, we have a cure, but now we have to deal with, you know, what a kind yeah. of what a society become. I you know. I, I kind of love the concept of this where I can't think of any other story that's been zombie-like or zombie-esque mm-hmm. where just as the heroes find a cure and can bring everyone back, there's a group of villains who are about to wipe out everyone on the face of the earth to save themselves, which up until a certain point would have been the right thing to do, and we'd have been right. like, yeah, sure, yeah, good idea, make, make an army of amazing robots and kill right. everything. Uh, but now it's like, no, no, this is actually like like them destroying people who could be brought back to life, and right. our team of heroes has to sort of race against the clock to do it, so... It's this, they've taken the cure part of this, which usually is like almost like the, it's almost like the unthinkable like good thing that never happens in a zombie movie. They never get that mm-hmm. happy moment. No, no, no. I mean, it's, and when you do, it's an I am legend and there has yeah. to be a sacrifice, you but, know? And so. But here, yeah. Taylor's found a way to like give us that, but give us this threat to it, which in, yeah. in the form of something else. Well, and, and on top of that, we, we get Taylor with the Barda and Mr. Miracle mm-hmm. relationship that was so well developed in, in King and Garrett's Mr. Miracle. Which again, this is clearly referencing. This is clearly right. taking that as part of his history. Yeah. Them. Right. And and them bringing up Jacob, their son. And you're just like, oh man, like that's super cool. Um and just that whole scene where they say that they have to test the cure on somebody and Dinah wants of course wants it to be Ollie. And they're like, well, no, because we, we, we have to give it to somebody that we know it's going to work on. You know, his body might not be able... Yeah, the know. idea being that Ollie just being human is that if something goes wrong, right. his body That's might it. just not take it at all. Whereas Barda, right. because she's like superhuman... And, A new god, yeah. right? And so I, I really like that. So again, it shows that, that Taylor thinks these things out, right? He's not just, you know... Because that's what I'd always thought with, with Ollie, was like, oh, okay, he's going to be the one that we have to keep alive because there's a cure and we're gonna have to turn him back. But just that little wrinkle I liked, the scene where they go to find Barda and she's been chained to this this planet and she's out roaming around and it's terrifying. It's again it's, it's up there with the Wonder Woman stuff from Unkillables. Yeah and you know you know the, when she does sort of realize who she is and she kisses mm-hmm. uh Mr. Miracle yep. and it's this sweet moment they talk about in the next few pages about how like the body clocks of everyone who turned has just kind of mm-hmm. paused whilst they've been, and it made me actually think bizarrely of Infinity War and yeah. Endgame, 
It's almost as if instead of just not existing for five years, they were zombies for five Plus. years instead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're all, they were they're yeah. alive because it is the, an anti-life, so they're not living, they're not dead, they are in a stasis, like a purgatory. Yeah, you know. Uh, and then the other chunk of the book is very much devoted to whatever wild Constantine. plan Constantine's got, and he's not telling Zatanna. Uh, Phantom Strangers there, Swamp just... Thing, Etrigan. <laughs> This is with the book of Taylor or uh, Tom Taylor going. Who can I have Constantine stab next? <laughs> <laughs> and I just I love it. Like yeah. you know, and then him him telling the the Phantom Stranger, hey, maybe did one time drunkenly, and Phantom's like, absolutely not, never with you. All right, just just him prodding at him, I thought was really great. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I, I like the moment where because he wants Fate's helmet and Fate's saying, "Yeah, you can never be removed with your magic, Constantine." He's like, "Oh, I know." And then he like holds up the wizard's staff and he's like, "Shazam!" And that's how he takes it. Uh, I like that moment, and you know, he's he's got the helmet, he's got the the, the ragman cloak, he's got the wizard's yep. staff, he's, he's he's got all of these magical artifacts, and, and he's got Boston Brand, right? Yes. Boston Brand's in that cloak, which I'm sure will come back. Because they mentioned Boston, him imprisoning Boston in there, um, and on top of it too, not only do we have the the dead overrunning the earth, we have the Amazo army wiping out the zombies. We have Trigon cleansing the earth. Yeah, Trigon. A, yeah, that was teased a couple of years ago. He is now yeah. in Paris, and he's already wiped yeah. out all of Paris. Which I thought was a fun thing that he came up through the crypts in, yes. in Paris. I thought that was real cool, and that. Uh, he is just he's cleansing it like a you know by fire and i still love that was one of the other wrinkles that i love the the fact that trigon's upset that there's no souls coming to hell because of the anti-life so he's going to come and fix that i i just i love that and so in my head we're going to get a constantine versus trigon you know, King well, Kong, Godzilla. Yeah, that kind was of that, that was one of the things I was thinking. It, it seems most likely that that's specifically what Constantine's going to solve, and that the rest of the mm-hmm. Justice League will be dealing with the Amazo robots. Yeah. And Constantine's doing everything he's doing to take on Trigon because right. keep, we, just keep him at bay. Yeah, while they can focus on that. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. because now we have like, all these problems going on at the same time, and I, I think I, I've been, I'm enjoying this sequel a lot. It's not as good as Unkillable. Unkillables is like no, I loved Unkillables so much, yeah. but. I am so consistently impressed with t- how Taylor finds new avenues and new little corners of the DC universe to explore mm-hmm. and use in ways that seem inventive yeah. and apply to what's going on. Yeah, no, definitely. If if I were, was getting into comics now, he would be my Jeff Johns because I feel like there's a lot of similarities with how they find these little niches. And then I don't want to say milk it because milk it seems like he's doing it, but like he gets it for everything it's worth. I mean, just the idea of Trigon coming up because of the anti-life equation. Like, that's never been a thing in zombie movies, right? You never get a, that supernatural aspect of of it. So I think that that was really cool. And just, you know, even the compassion of the heroes here, them not wanting to kill people, you know, because there might be a cure. And it turns out they were right. Like, that's another wrinkle that I think is really good. But yeah, yeah which, no, Tom, which, Tom which, Taylor's just nailing it. Yeah, which just makes them guilty about everyone they killed. Like, because when they right. thought there was no hope, but earlier on, back in the first book, back in Inkillables, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it's like, wait, we could have oh, brought I mean, all of them back. Flash, Superman, Batman, like all of the greatest heroes, you know, have succumbed to this thing, and there's, you can't take that back now. So, although Superman's in the sun, 
So true, let's, true. Not, let's not forget that. Yeah, maybe they'll find a way to. Yeah. To somehow bring them back. So, but yeah, no, it's just it's really good. This book, I mean, it's just it's doing all the stuff that I love too. Playing with all of these, you know, it's got the legacy characters in there. It's got the old school magic users in there. There is a sense of continuity, and it's not mainstream DC continuity, but it's DC continuity nonetheless. I mean, it's just the whole idea of him going to to Rama was it Rama Tut in Nanda Parbat in that last was that two issues ago? Um, it was last issue. That was the last issue. Yeah. That and just Constantine knowing that he can't go in there. Constantine having a hidden room in the Tower of Fate. You know, like just all that type of stuff. I love that he's playing with that. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it's doing wonderful things, and I'm consistently impressed. Uh, if anything, it says a lot that I'm not praising it even more than it that I am. And I don't know if that's just because he's already set the bar so unbelievably high uh, or whatever, but uh, it's really good stuff. What are you giving this issue, Matt? Uh, I'm giving this a 9.5. And the only reason, not only because the art, I'm still not 100% sold on Trevor Hairsign's art, but sure. it's it fits the tone of the book enough that it's not so bothersome. And you get that great circle, circular image of all the heroes at their heads like you were talking about and it ends with Damien. Uh, no matter which way you read that one, it works. So it's not one of those ones where it gets lost and things, but yeah. 9.5. Yeah, I'm actually just going to go with a, a straight 8 on this. And it's just, I think it's just because, I, I, I kind of agree, I'm not a big hearsing art guy. Mm. It's not the worst, but I'm, I'm not in love no. with it. Um, and I'm not as into the magic side of DC, even though I do. Like Both this and the last issue had a really cool moment where I loved how they used it in some way. I'm still not as inherently interested as as a corner, yeah. so gotcha. Uh, I'll I'll go with a straight eight on that. Uh, mm-hmm. But there you go. Uh, Batman Catwoman issue one, Tom King with Clayman, and this has been a long time coming, and this is bringing phantasm. So so much of a long time that the cover they used was signed by Clayman in in 2019. <laughs> You're right. I see that in the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty so. funny. Um, and I, I'm glad that it's officially black label because mm-hmm. I have this kind of magnified all my problems I had with Tom King's Batman is that they had seeming like there's just separate things going on layered over each other and I'm sure it'll mm-hmm. pull together but this first issue was a chore to read for me and not like it took forever but trying to piece things together actually just all side though here I just thought I, I want to know a general opinion not that it's super relevant to this, but how did you feel about the first two issues of Rorschach? Did you like those? Oh, no, I liked them a lot. The first yeah. issue felt very much like a, a Brubaker Phillips book with yeah. the way that it goes about. The second one, not as much, but that's just because it, it became an, like, it, it was a detective story, just not with that grittiness. Yeah. I, I, I love both those issues. I, I'm really into yeah. that book. They're, they're real yeah. good, and the art is perfect for it. Because Absolutely, that, yeah. Uh, um, I'm drawing a blank on uh, Fornis is meant for that style of book absolutely um, absolutely so, wonderful and and here i appreciate what he's doing and it's almost a what if and it's tom mm-hmm. king's batman universe there's just a for this first issue there's a lot of balls in the air and trying to piece together everything is, is a bit much yeah it, it's, it's funny because like obviously the way he bounces around narrative arcs and his and his mm-hmm. books is quite common for him, especially in mm-hmm. uh, Strange Adventures. We're going to be talking about that next, mm-hmm. so you know, like that's also yep. a thing. 
But here you have old woman Selina after the death of Bruce Wayne visiting someone. And obviously it's meant to be a mystery. Who is this old guy? Like, who is this who she's talking to? Mm-hmm. And as the book's going on and it's, bounce- it's bouncing around Batman and Catwoman in their prime and looking for the the son of Phantasm of... of uh, uh, well, I forget her real name. This is the thing. It's been long since I've watched that movie that when they started, like, uh, it's it's Andrea. I know that one. Um, yeah, but what's the son's? What's the what's the last name? Is I guess what I'm looking for. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's Beaumont. Andrew Beaumont. Yeah. Yes. I always want to say um, Romano, but that's the voice director that worked on DC animated for decades. Mm. You know, so she's the one that gave us uh, our our Batman voice with uh, what's his name, um, right. John Blake's. Conroy, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyways, yeah, Beaumont. Yeah, um, so, we were interested in her now that she came to Bruce for help after being in hiding. Seemingly, and it sounds like the events of Mask of Phantasm happened. This is, right. you know, it's referencing roughly kind of like the ending of that and the explosion and that she's been in hiding with her son. And were you, were you kind of waiting for like, a, this is Bruce's son reveal at some I, point? I was, but yeah. it, just, it, didn't, it didn't line up just because... I, I don't know. Like, I that would have been a bridge too far for King. Maybe yeah. that's what he had, he intended, and it was a red herring. But I'm definitely not taking. I that. mean, I hope it's not. But I feel like it's going to be weird if they don't like pose the question at some point. If Bruce yeah. doesn't think, you know, right? I mean, I, I mean, I don't know if it's been because he's 14 years old. So I don't know if it's been 14 years yeah. since that happened. And then, yeah, that that but. that's what threw me up. But uh, did you ever read Daredevil: The End? Storyline out of bed or not? End of days. End of days. I I have not no, but I, I, okay. I conceptually I see why you're bringing it up though with this. Just yeah, no, this is kind of the same, but in that one it's revealed that Matt Murdock has like six kids, <laughs> each by different. <laughs> I just think the same with Bruce collects kids apparently. Yeah. Like you know, not this one though because tragedy well, befalls. Well, Matt Murdock uh, spreads his seed around and takes no responsibility for any of his children. Bruce, with the exception of Damien, actually takes in kids that aren't his seed. So he's actually been quite a a noble uh, foster parent, I suppose, in a lot of ways. Um, And this also is dealing with the relationship between Catwoman and the Joker. And Joker Mm kind of like talking to Catwoman about her relationship with Batman and how it's Mm -hmm. changed her and how she's really one of them, you know, one of the the villains, one of the animals. Yeah. Yeah. and they've got him in this sort of hat, you know, this old sort of like gangster look uh, to him. Which I think is a real nice look. I think Clayman, I know Clayman gets beat up a lot for some of his poses and mm-hmm. stuff, but when he shows up, he really shows up. No, I feel I, like the Joker, Catwoman stuff in, in that section, especially, there's a real noirness to it that's not gritty, and it does feel like the animated series. Yeah, there's his art skill is absolutely off the charts he's, he's a phenomenal mm-hmm. artist uh just occasionally goes a bit to and funny obviously there's a page here where selena's like coming into bed with bruce and it's very sexual yeah. and it's one of those things where this is clearly supposed to be like a sexual right. moment and mm-hmm. selena is a very sexual character traditionally mm-hmm. for better or worse um so right. it doesn't stick out to me in the same way that you know because we went on for like 10 minutes on that one page in heroes and crisis yeah. where lois for some reason was standing mm-hmm. around in her underwear and it just right. it was you know it was it was very gratuitous, um, but they find the dead body of this son, uh, this you know mm-hmm. this uh the Beaumont kid, and yeah, Andrew, he's got Joker eyes face, and it's the idea yep. of like part of the reason why Andrea was hiding is because she was scared of the Joker you know for the last yep. five years, and I, I guess maybe that proves that it's not Bruce's son because I think that's the impl- the implication there is that the mask of phantasm happened five years ago, right? Which would mean that he was nine as it was going on, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, 
Oh, I don't remember. Did, was there, did, did Chris know, like, Andrea, like, before the events of that? Was it, were they, like, long time? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. They, they grew up in the same circles. We just watched it when it... Sure, uh, sure. It showed up on... Uh, so, not just watched it. Back in the spring, uh, when HBO Max launched, it was on there. And so I hadn't seen it since the theater as a kid. Um, and, yeah, so they that was as... As he had came back to Gotham, they had recalibrated because they kind of grew up together because uh, both of their dads were titans of industry. And then so... So um, I suppose as that he's sense, starting as... Yeah. And that sense, I suppose it still could be the kid. It's just that it happened long before the events of Master yeah. Phantasm. Right. Um, but the reveal that comes after that, though, and the... the I, I can't really say present day. In the future, right, with old Selena, right. is that the old man, like says I, I finally get to kill you and he takes off his glasses and then the wig and you kind of know where this is going you're like okay there's only one person that this makes sense it could be and right. it's it's old man joker uh after all this time the idea that joker's outlived batman is kind of a, yeah. a cruel thing well and it, and it seems like that so he it seems like he's in hiding because he's retired mm-hmm. right and so and it's almost like he didn't get to take out batman so it's one of those things too that's what how i was reading it like I've outlived him, and I always thought we would go out together. You know, a, a Holmes and Moriarty type thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. And the end of the book is Andrea, like, you, I mean, you don't know for sure it's her at first, mm-hmm. where someone's opening the uh, the grave and getting the Phantasm outfit, but then the final page, she's wearing the same clothes, the Phantasm outfit's next to her mm-hmm. on the bed, and the, uh, the, the song that was there at the start of the issue is playing as the snow mm-hmm. falls in Gotham. I, I'm yeah. liking the mood a lot. I'll, say, I'll definitely yeah. say that. They're really playing with the... I mean, obviously, this whole thing can't be set at Christmas. I mean, it can't be, but... Yeah. Well, I mean, and we know that this follows up the the story that he told, I forget. It was, was in the annual. annual? Yeah, it was the, yeah. It, was, it was the annual where Selena, like, had him... Because she references it in this, where she talks about yep. how they were all around him as he died. Yep. Um, so it's kind of interesting we're getting, like, a post-Bruce Wayne story with Selena and the Joker, uh, and then the present-day story involves Phantasm, who... You have to imagine it's just about to go absolute nut job and be like full phantasm to go after Joker. Like mm-hmm. it feels like that's where it's yeah. naturally going to go in cool. some capacity. And so here's the thing: you said that Joker tells Selena, "I finally get to kill you." Yes. I heard that as Selena telling that to him, and then that's why he starts laughing. Oh no, you're you're right. That's, I'll be honest. Um, but no, but well, was... the arrow's at. It could literally be either or. It, it could be, but now you're saying that yeah. to me. Um, based on the dialogue in the previous page, I actually do think it is Selena. Okay. I just I said that because when I was glancing through the pages talking about gotcha. it, I, I yeah. saw it and it did, it did it looked like it was coming from him because of the way yeah. the panel is. But based on the dialogue from the previous page, uh, where Selena right. says, "Oh, you know, darling, Which you know it so well. Uh, he's gone. He can't stop me anymore. For what you did for Andrea, I finally get to kill you." Which is interesting yeah. that Selena wants revenge for something that happens to Andrea, who is. Her husband's like ex lover, <laughs> like it's, it's a very right. interesting person to want right. revenge for. But so, what happens now? Yeah, to her, in the course of what what Bat and Cat's gonna be. And I think that's the effective part of the book is us going. Well, okay, so what, what does the Joker do other than kill her son, which clearly has already happened? Right. But something right. that makes Catwoman herself want the revenge on behalf of right. Andrea. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's an interesting thing to pose. Uh, the book maybe does jump around like three different time frames a little bit too willy-nilly for its own good yeah definitely but, uh, that was my big problem with it it almost has a dreamlike quality at times too we're like because there's mm-hmm. that part where alfred pops in yeah yeah and you're like wait so what's going on here because is he there is he not there like 
I don't know. Yeah, honestly, if you took that part out of it, it may not actually be too bad. It may just feel like two no. timelines, and that would be fine. Right. Uh, but that moment but does that, make it feel odd. Yeah. There's there's a wrinkle there. And yeah. Yeah. So, and that's always my thing with King is it's never poorly written. It's just almost overwritten. Sometimes there's almost too much going on. So yeah. Yeah. I was getting see when Joker like turns on the light when Catwoman's trying mm-hmm. to steal the the necklace of the the you know the, the mobster whoever it is lying in bed. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Joker turns on the light and he's sitting there with a the Tommy gun, I was getting like serious Skinner Sweet vibes, and I don't know if that's just because I've been reading the American Vampire, yeah, uh, because of Patreon, but it just it looks very it's yeah. a very Skinner Sweet pose. Yeah, you 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 put a cowboy hat on him. You know, yeah. it's pretty good. Also, the whole Sewer King thing. I think that that's fun to bring in. From, oh, oh uh, yeah, yeah. Because this is an animated Selena. series. Yeah, this is an animated series yeah. thing as well. Is uh, they, before they find the, the kid's dead body, they think that the mm-hmm. sewer king who you know takes in you know the runaways and runaways. Yep, that sort of thing. Took in Selena, and all of that. Um, but and she's in her her animated series costume, which is always a that's a, that's like low key second favorite of sure. mine. Yeah, it's a fun. Touch. I, I do love. Yeah, I I do love her look. That she's definitely more cat burglar. You know, so it's the the leather with the goggles and the upturn here that makes it look like cat ears. Um, that one's close. The, the yeah. second one. Uh, and so. the book, the book is gorgeous. The the mood of the mm-hmm. snow. I I almost wonder if part of the reason why it got pushed up almost a full year is because it was designed to start in winter, and once it got pushed to like maybe say spring, yeah. they went, "No, can we wait until like December now so that we can start off in winter again?" Maybe, yeah. Um, because that, that, I mean, this issue. I mean, okay, maybe he went back and did a couple of the pages to add in all the snow mm-hmm. and give it the mood, but mm-hmm. it, do, it 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 does feel like very sure. wintery. So I wonder if that was part of the reason why. Yeah. Once they pushed it so far, they said, "Can we just wait until winter again?" Because maybe it's like long Halloween where each issue is kind of built around the time of the year that it's roughly coming out. Yeah. I could see it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, so we'll we'll see where it goes from here. It just. I heard someone say that it confused him, and I wouldn't say it confused me, but there's a lot of balls in the air there, for the first issue. Like, I would expect all of this coming in, like, three or four, like him ranking yeah. up. Not right off the gate. I would say um, I was a little confused for the first half of the issue. I, I think by the end, though, it kind of all slotted. I, I kind of understood it and sl- it slotted into place, at least as much as it can just now. Obviously, there's mysteries. There's What does the Joker do? So on and so on. You know, mm-hmm. why has the Joker been hiding like this? We might get some of that uh, right. you know, going forward. Right. I'm definitely intrigued. Now, admittedly, next to Rorschach and next to Strange Adventures, it is the third one, but yeah. as, as far as King's, like, 12-issue books go, like, mm-hmm. it still feels like it might be special once it really gets going. I yeah. mean, I like this way more than anything in his last, like, 30 or 40 issues of Batman, so, mm-hmm. you know, put yeah. that in perspective. Um, I The guy that works at my shop, who's a big Batman fan, I'd asked him, are you going to read this one? Because he did not like King's Batman whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And he goes, no, I only read Tom King when he does, like, B-level characters or below. <laughs> uh, because that's what works. So, you know, Mr. Miracle or Vision or, you know, Rorschach. Does, does, does Rorschach know? count as B-level? I would I would put him there. Because there's not a lot of people, like, if you say Rorschach, I think people might True. know him as the Watchmen guy. He's definitely he's definitely bigger, though, than, like, like Mr. Miracle and Adam yeah. Strange. Like, he definitely yeah. is. But, yeah, he says he doesn't trust him on mainstream stuff. And I go, all right, that's more, more than fair, you know. Um, so. <laughs> but yeah, but no, the Clayman art, I mean, it, it's good. I was a little bit worried seeing some of the stuff that we've seen. Mm-hmm. And based off of Heroes in Crisis, which I think is the last Clayman thing I've read. 
regularly. Yeah, um, well, I think after that, he pretty much was working on this because, again, he got because right. they were getting all of this like, way in advance mm-hmm. and getting ahead. And, right. So, uh, well, presumably, yeah. he's way ahead on this, if not done. Like maybe yeah. he's like maybe yeah, he's yeah, like yeah. working on issue ten right now for all it's, we know. It's yeah, it's the Kevin Smith rule that we don't have him do stuff until we have it all. Yeah, you know, we don't start putting it into production until we know the scripts are in. So. Yeah, maybe it was just waiting on him too, so there's no break in it. So it goes the full year. Yeah, I think it's like, okay, if we do that, then it, it you know, we won't start putting them until summer. Okay, it starts off in the winter, though, in the story. Can we just hold it off yeah. until winter again? <laughs> and, yeah. and maybe that was an okay choice to make. And they're like, okay, mm-hmm. fine. Uh, because it, it did feel weird how long it got pushed. But because uh, it was meant yeah. to debut, I believe, originally in January and then got pushed. Right. So, yeah. you know, it's only one month earlier in terms of the calendar. If that right. makes sense. So, mm-hmm. you know, well, so if there's like a Valentine's themed issue in like February, then we'll know. We'll know. Yeah. <laughs> we'll know for sure. Yeah. Uh, if it's all set at winter, then it didn't really matter. But <laughs> right, right. But we'll see. It takes place over. It's a it's a Shane Black movie where it takes place over a week. Yeah. Before yeah. Christmas. Yeah. It's like twenty four. It's all in real time. Just one one minute yeah. page. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no. Well, so. What are you giving it? What you, how do you feel about it? Um, so it's going to seem high because of the stuff that I said, but I'm going to give it a, a, an 8 just because it is well-crafted in, in part. So it looks great and it, it's paced pretty well. So, but yeah. Yeah, I'm also going to give it an 8. I see a lot of potential in this. It doesn't grab me quite the same way that Rorschach or Strange Adventures or even Mr. Miracle did, of course, but mm-hmm. um, I still see a lot of that potential. And I think it being its own separate 12-issue thing like yeah it, it does feel so much better than like half of his batman run and i liked a lot of the early batman run but yeah that last half did not leave me feeling good about this but post, yeah post mr freeze trial it got real rough yeah post mr freeze trial it, it never really recovered again all that much uh the odd little cool idea or whatever but yeah it was mm-hmm. mostly into middling territory at that point yeah so there you go that's uh batman catwoman issue one Strange Adventures issue 7, Tom King writing with Mitch Gerrards and Doc Shiner on the art. Of course, this is uh, the other big Tom King 12-issue mm-hmm. book. This is about halfway through, though. This is the one that's first along. Uh, issue 7 here. And this was also a little bit confusing at first because the story in the past with uh, Adam is that he's mm-hmm. essentially been tortured. And he's put into, like... Because these it's are fictional, a, like, it, things, right? Yeah, it's, a, it's a psychedelic adventure yeah. that... If you guys remember when we first reviewed Mr. Miracle, I was convinced I didn't like it until we started talking about it. I felt the same way about this when I got done with it. Because this is a book I've been real, real high on. It's really well constructed with the, mm-hmm. the bounce back and forth. And there's something more going on underneath that we're just getting out with Mr. Terrific and uh, Alana. And then this issue went like, what am I reading? <laughs> uh, it was very, you know, some of the stuff that you read about Jack Kirby is very Kirby-esque in that. So, so yeah. yeah which I, Again, it, it makes more sense as it goes, but once you start to get into the rhythm of yeah. what it's bouncing between. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the opening scene is this very atmospheric, and it's one of these things where I would have thought mm-hmm. this is in the past if it wasn't for the fact that it was Garrett's art telling me, no, this, yeah. is, this is present. Right now, and this yep. is a this is a picked scout, presumably in the the skies, you know, above Earth, uh-huh. and Adam goes to confront and essentially has a, a hand shot first style moment here where he does, and you know, for all of this talk that we've got that no one understands the picks, he certainly has a conversation unless 
again, he doesn't understand, and he he's just, you know, yeah, he's uh, responding it up out there. Yeah, he's responding as if he does understand, but we don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just gibberish to us. We just see like a, a mix right. of letters and shapes, mm-hmm. and he responds as if he's understanding. But is he just like sort of making that up? Is he just like right. essentially talking to himself? But he has this this mm-hmm. hand shot first stale moment where he kills the pict and comes mm-hmm. down, and then we go back and we see this part in his mind where, or the part in the past where he was strapped to a chair, and essentially the guy talks about it being like him jumping via like Zeta beams, but it's actually more like right. he's been put in different type forms of like hollow deck torture, where one yeah. he's beamed out of space, another one he's beamed to like see you know seeing Alana again and thinking he's back home finally, but then he's pulled right back into the the right. torture room. And, see, and that's where and that's where I got confused throughout because I'm like, is he Zeta beaming? Because I know from my mm. research on Adam Strange, when it first happened, he couldn't control. He had to wait for the Zeta Beam to pull him back, you know? And if Sardath was, you know, if he couldn't operate the Zeta uh, gun or whatever it was, the Zeta Beam technology, he was stuck on Earth. Um, so that's why I wasn't sure what was going on. I mean, maybe he is uh, beaming places, but I would assume that he would die if he could beam into space for real. So yeah, that, well, no, 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 yeah. for sure. Yeah. And that's again why I was getting confused. Like, is this all in his head? Is this because again it was psychedelic? Did they <clears throat> did they dose him with something? Um, yeah, and I'm sure someone will maybe translate the sign language panel where there's like a bunch of so hands coming out of the grass. I did, did last it? night. Oh, okay, yeah, there you go. It's, it's have a nice day. Which <laughs> only made me think of of Mick Mick Foley. Foley. Yeah, 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 especially with the hands. And then the guy's head is a hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, Mr. Sacco. You know? So yeah. yeah, but they have a nice day. Um, someone else I you know, looking through Twitter earlier today, someone had actually done it with the yeah. they put the letters next to each hand. So yeah. Yeah, so that's stuff where he just sort of he ends up rebelling at the end of the issue, he like wakes up and snaps this guy's neck. Uh, mm-hmm. and he sort of like he just yells out, I'm the hero of two worlds, like, how dare you think I am weak, blah blah blah. And it shows you what he's driven to to become this vicious killer, which is kind of ties into the present day story where after he's killed this pick at the start of the issue, he does it a second time. There's Batman's talking to a pick scout who's on Earth and Adam just blows him up from behind. And Batman's like, what are you doing? You just you can't just kill them like that. And Adam's like, no, you can. I'm not a hero. I'm something else. And mm. it leads to the scene with Alana where Alana, based on the, the issue with Terrific, where Terrific mm-hmm. put this seed of doubt in her, and it made us kind of go, well, wait, yeah, like, we assume she was kind of in in things and was maybe even the more evil one. Right. So this idea that he's concealing something from her about her daughter, that there's more to it than she knows, and right. she kind of brings this up. And he actually confesses to the murder from the start of the book where he was convinced this guy in the, the bookshop, he followed him thinking he was a Pict. And he's actually more convinced now that the Pict have started showing up, that he was in fact a Pict. And the... And, more and more, it's starting to feel like he is someone who is suffering from serious mental health issues because oh. of what he was driven to in war. Oh, for sure. That's, that's what, what I know about King. This he has PTSD. Yeah, and, it, and it's PTSD big time. And it and and funnily enough, goes into what I loved about Harleen, the the Cedric book, was mm-hmm. that she she had went into Arkham to study people because people in war zones it affects their brains, and so why is there such a you know all the different villains that come out of Gotham is because Gotham's so terrible. Well, then you look about, you know, if Gotham's a war zone, then what's an actual war zone like? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Alana's freaking out as she's here and all this, but when she actually says, is there anything else about her daughter? And he says, no, of course not. Like, no, like, you know, I did what I did to, you know, win the war, blah, blah. But no, nothing, you know, there's nothing to tell you about that. 
and she ends up kissing him. And it, I'm wondering if it's getting to this kind of point where it's, it's maybe telling us that there's either she's also suffering from similar things or the idea that someone who suffers from PTSD can actually be negatively enabled by someone who yeah. who isn't doing the right things for them to get healthy. She's instead reinforcing these ideas because she kind of yeah. believes in them too. Um, yeah. Well, she's not that she's out, outwardly manipulating, mm-hmm. but she's definitely using his condition to drive her own narrative, you know? And so if, if the Rand narrative is the picks are coming, they're savages, they're going to destroy you. Well, I, I'm having the feeling that what Rand has done back to the picks is what's made Adam like this, mm-hmm. right? Cause it's one thing to fight in a war against a conquering army. It's another thing to fight in a war as a retaliating force. Right. And so this, this idea of what war does to people, that it makes people think there's a black and a white instead of the shades of gray, as, as we've seen all over ran. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and stuff. And, and yeah, here just that, that image of where he peeks over her shoulder, it's on the nine panel grid where he says, I wasn't wrong. It was a disguise. It was just a pick soldier and killing him. Wasn't wrong either. Mm-hmm. He, there's just a, darkness to him you know not like a evil darkness but just like he's lost you know just as lost as he is in all of those different yeah i I think that you're talking about him peeking over her shoulder i think that that framing is definitely not an accident Mm -hmm. and it's definitely very intentional the way he's kind of like coming from Mm -hmm. behind her there as he's saying this they are almost idea like he, he's almost like the the evil like devil on the shoulder mm-hmm. like and not that he himself is evil and saying this but yeah. the idea that he's also reinforcing something in her yep the right you know she it's, should it's she a, shouldn't yeah be thinking it's a vicious so. cycle yeah yeah and yeah. uh because you got to think what is she fought in the war too yeah he has ptsd what's it with the her maybe these people shouldn't be making decisions at that level without seeing help and that's why I'm hoping with Mr. Terrific, what he represents, because he's a character that's also defined by PTSD with with his wife and losing the wife. And she was pregnant, we found out, um, and how he's responded to it with through logic, not through emotion, you know. Uh, but yeah, and once once you pointed out like it was a torture thing and he wasn't actually beaming and it was more <laughs> like a danger room scenario it pulled it back together where I was like, okay. And as I'm looking back through, you know, uh, it makes much more sense. Yeah. Well, now, I, I, th- I think that's what it is. I mean, people might correct me, yeah. but that that's what I was getting no, from it as it was going on. I thought they were beaming him to him from places. And it was like the scene where, where he's with his daughter and, and her, um, it seems just off enough. Right. And, uh, when he goes back, it's just the brain. It's like his nervous system. Right, like the brain and the eyes and all of this stuff, and they scream, and that's why I thought I was like, well, "What is going on here?" But then you see him back in that chair, looking over the the planet. Right, so yeah, mm-hmm. it makes much more sense, like you said, a hollow deck or a danger room, where they're showing him his innermost fears, and like one of them, him being in space, he's alone. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Also, in that. Yeah, go ahead. To go with the whole two worlds thing, if you notice the big two-page spread but they're lying on the couch, the the framed photo yep. above them is mm-hmm. one half is Earth, one half half is I assume is Ran, uh, yeah. and it's like split down the middle. I, and that's, they're both on the Earth side, right? They're both on right. the Earth side of that page. But as the story, as the conversation goes on, 
by the time like he's done talking over her shoulder, notice mm-hmm. that they're completely in front of the green path. Right, of Ran. Yeah. For Ran. Yep. So, very intentional yep. there as well. Uh, some really smart uh, you know, yep. paneling and, and framing and uh, I, I dare I say cinematography because I like using that word, but even though yeah. it's a comic book. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's wonderful. And you know, maybe if he actually, I mean, maybe him beam, actually beaming places does kind of work. If, if the idea that they pull him back just yeah. before death or because right. it, it does make the moment where he sees Alana and his daughter again, yeah. even crueler. That, that was real right. and they got to see him for a minute before he, he right. beamed back out. Right. Because well, clearly time has passed because every time you see him, his beard has gotten yeah. longer and the guy's hair has gotten shaggier. Um, and then, you know, each of these end with a little quote. And this one really drives all of that back home, too. And he says, I mean, in one of my stories, the guy gets killed. He goes to another world. The bad guy gets it. And he goes back to this beautiful world with his with his beautiful girl. I think that's lovely. That's a lovely story. It should happen to everybody. Right. And this whole issue is about him not being able to adjust. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's almost in that Hurt Locker movie kind of way about the guys. Actually, this is probably a good companion to the Hurt Locker. It is right? in a weird way. Yeah. Right. Now that I think about that. The hero of two worlds, right? He soldiers are doing their thing out across the sea, and then when they come home, it's a completely different thing. Um, so the two worlds isn't just Earth and Ran; it's the home front versus the the battlefront. Yeah, yeah, no, they're, they're, this team is just like fantastic. Yeah, and because we're we're doing science fiction, we're doing like proper proper fictiony fiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can literally take that and turn it into two literal worlds. Because mm-hmm. you know, normally it would just be, yes, the home front and the, the actual mm-hmm. war front. But here it's like, no, no, that's represented by Ran being the war front and Earth being the right. home front now. So, right. And he's kind of brought the war home, the idea that he's murdered right. someone on Earth soil. Right. And the way that he has, of, yeah. Because of him being so... Um, um, oh, what's the word? Paranoid about the picks following him, right? Yeah. And and that goes into some of the prejudices that people have in, in this country, and I mean, even across the world, against the other. You know, this guy was seemingly pro-pick, because if you remember from that first issue, the way that he's yelling, mm. he's like, I know what you did over there, and and how you're not a hero, and all this other stuff. So, um, yeah, and just how it becomes an us-versus-them mentality. And we're seeing it, at least in this country, more and more and more and more. As the longer this thing goes, yeah, and it's kind of sad. No, I mean it's just hitting a lot of things uh, as this book, uh, as these Tom King twelve issue books tend yep. to in different ways, and yeah, it's impressive that they're all doing very different things with it. And because Rorschach again feels very different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rorschach Cause... feels like the most straightforward. I'm sure there'll be some thing about you know yeah. political stuff because that book's very political with the campaign going on and whatnot and why do these people dress up this way and, you know, whatever. Yeah. But it definitely feels more like a traditional detective story uh, versus these where Mr. Miracle seemed to be about depression and overcoming that. And this one seems to be about trauma. Yeah, we had, we had a great uh, comment about uh, the last issue of Rorschach on Patreon, which yeah. I'll, I'll bring up when we get to yeah. the next issue because it'll be relevant. Mm-hmm. But yep. um, yeah, no, that, yeah, that's issue seven. Uh, so, you know, the issue ends with Adam in the past, like snapping this, this, you know, torturer's neck and yep. seemingly 
ready to, and probably the most motivated he's ever been to just go full ruthless and start killing left and right to, to win for Ran. And it's, and it's almost as if this is what the picks wanted, that they poked him enough that, mm. you know. You can uh, see it. Yeah, yeah, if people want to hear me more on that, just hit me up on, on Twitter. Because I don't want to get into too many political type things. Sure. <laughs> right? So if you do want more, you know, my DMs are open hey, for that. Hey, last time you were on the show, we didn't know who the next president was going to be. So, I mean, things, yeah. are, things are looking up a little bit since then. Things, things, things are looking up, although knowing my country, I don't have faith in, <laughs> in at least 43% of people. Um, so, so yeah. Um, yeah, so if, if you do want to hear some musings about how I think the ending here ties into other things, then my DMs are open. Yes. Uh, and, and to, you know, just on that point, Tom King is very opinionated about this stuff. He has a lot of opinions yes. because he worked in the CIA. He saw how a lot of things worked, and he is opinionated and critical well, in a lot of ways he's, from that experience. He was over there. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Sheriff of Babylon is all about his experiences. You know, and it's not an autobiography, but it is stuff that he's experienced, I'm sure. You know? Um, but yeah, and also, following him and Garrods and, and uh, Shaner. I mean, what a what a group because they're all so different, right? And how they go about things, um, and and yeah, just like King's super opinionated, and then Garrett's kind of is, but he still kind of tries to pull it back until you really really push him. He's much more opinionated on whiskeys and Taylor Swift, which cracks <laughs> me up, than he is on like than King is. So that is two things yeah. I have no knowledge of. So that's yes, that's interesting. yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, what are you giving uh, Strange Adventures issue seven? I'm, I'm gonna give this a, a nine point five. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, you're shooting high there. It's hard to argue yeah. too much. Uh, I think I am going to give it a straight nine. Uh, it, yeah, it was a nine until you you helped me sense threads of it being hmm. maybe a a torturing thing. You know, they weren't just beaming him back and forth. You know, it's, the, it's, still, it's still kind of worse if they are just, uh, uh, to me yeah. it felt neater if it was just like in his head rather than yeah. actually going there but maybe he is yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 well see in, in my how I had it set up I thought Rand was trying to get him back mm. and every time they they would miss because of whatever the picks were doing or whatever but it makes much more sense the way that it's well, there oh, yeah. it's de- that together it's, yeah, it's definitely this guy is doing it to was. him yeah right yeah so, so, so yeah, there yeah, you yeah. go uh, so that's the books that we, all, we both read but Matt did also uh, have a look at Dark Multiverse or Tales from the Dark Multiverse, Oof. Wonder Woman, War of the Gods issue one. Uh, after all these other big books this week, I had no interest because last time, the last issue that me and Connor read was thoroughly in the mess. That Hush one was that Hush one was pretty bad. Yeah, and but... I, I, I'm someone that defends Hush as a story just because it is a fun, you know, mid two thousands. I think we yeah. all like Hush to a reasonable yeah, degree. Yeah, but I I know there are people out there that are like, no, Hush is a bad story. And I was like, okay, well, you can say that it's mainly just a showcase for Batman and for Jim Lee to draw Batman stuff. Um, that That's fine. But I expected way more with Hush and some of that stuff with the Dark Multiverse. It just, it did not work out for me. Yeah, and Matt um, was saying, hey, I don't need to talk about this. I was like, no, no, you read it. You should mention yeah, what it's like. Uh, Tell us what it is all, quickly. Yeah, I'm not going to spend too much time on it, but it is one of these tales of the Dark Multiverse that gets brought in by Tempest Fujinot. And very Twilight zone which I, I do. I am a sucker for. But this one's based off of a George Perez Wonder Woman story of War of the Gods, where, funnily enough, Hecate is involved, which we had just finished in Justice League Dark. And it's handled much, much more effectively there. 
than here. And I get that this is a, you know, a one shot and they have to rush through things, but just that version of Hecate and Cersei and all of that stuff, much more fleshed out through Tynan than here. And so in, in War of the Gods, it was Hecate trying to manipulate all of the different pantheons into going to war with the Amazons because she was upset at them. And one woman having to get all of the superheroes together and, and fighting back. And of course they win. And it was Perez's, you know, his goodbye to, to Wonder Woman back in the, it was the early nineties when it came out by that time. So in this one, you, we come up on the, on the war and Wonder Woman gets possessed by Hecate and she ends up becoming this avenging goddess of magic that goes and starts taking out all the different pantheons while while at the same time you had the the different band of amazons the the band of migdal they had launched a an attack at the same time and i guess it's all the from the perez stuff too um and there was this this military officer that was fighting and they come to find out and this is the greek god of fear phobos and so their alliance between phobos and hecate possessed wonder woman they go out an all-out war. They take out Steve and Etta to completely wipe out Diana. And then it just becomes this really long and drawn out. The heroes are trying to fight Hecate, Diana, but Diana's still in there trying to get out. And the one cool thing with the art is they show her trying to get out is she's like trapped in this hole. And every time she jumps and tries to get out of that hole, it gets higher. So each the harder she fights, the harder it is for her to to get out and basically in, in the grand fashion of tales of the dark multiverse evil wins and they think that they you know the gods realize that it's the belief not in them that gives the magic power it's the belief in in the superheroes so now she decides she has to take them all out so one by one we see this evil wonder woman take them all out until she's like the only one standing and at the end kind of comes back out, but not really. And it's just, it's kind of messy. Um, and it, it was written by Vita Iala, who does really good work with Wonder Woman from the stuff that I read. It just, I think a lot of these, they do hang on that event or big story, sometimes mm -hmm. a little bit too much where the ones that I really did like just kind of take the bare bones of it and tell a story out of that. Almost like a, what if, so like the Nightfall one, where it was like, what if Bane had won? And that's where the darkness comes from. In this one, I don't know if it was my familiarity with the event, or maybe the event was just kind of like, didn't have that much hooks for the darkness. It just kind of felt, same with yeah. Hush. Like I didn't feel like the, the darkness in Hush was enough to be like a what if yeah. Thomas Elliot. I don't know. know. Yeah, I, I don't think these have as much of a purpose either. Cause the last time no. we got a batch of them, they were kind of building to something here these feel kind of random just because we're doing metal stuff i guess oh hey yeah. we could do some more multiverse stories yeah. and yeah yeah the last one was just such a like if these were more regular sized i might have been willing to jump on yeah. for another one but because it was like 50 pages i was like you know what yeah I'm yeah, good. yeah no and, and you're not missing too much on this one because all of the other ones i was pretty familiar with so you know we had infinite crisis and we've had uh the judas contract yeah the superman nightfall all stories i'm pretty familiar with um and then Hush, and then this one, which I had to look up this one because I had to see. Yeah, I'd never read War of the Gods. Yeah. It was, yeah. Uh, and then you come to find out, too, that it's not such a great story for George Perez because they kind of forced him out of Wonder Woman. Like, that's so. 
it was his last story, but not by his own. Thing. Mm. And it took a while for him to him to fix things with DC for him to finally come back. Um, so, so yeah, so it was kind of like, well, did Vita Ayala have the idea for the story? You know, cause I know Wonder Woman seems really close to them, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, or was this just like, Hey, we're doing these things with events. Here's this one. Go ahead and write it. So it's one of those ones where I don't feel, because I feel again, to bring up the nightfall one, I feel that was something that Higgins just had. And he's so intimately aware with the bat family that it, he made it work. Like, so if they were like, Hey, what's your idea for a dark multiverse where Bane won nightfall. And he was like, Oh, okay, cool here. This one though. And the fact that I wasn't that familiar with this story and I'm pretty up to date with continuity stuff. Like I kind of know the big beats, you know, like zero hour and stuff like that. It almost makes me wonder too, is how many people are like familiar with war of the gods. Yeah, too. it feels like maybe they've done all the bigger stories, so now they're starting to like. There's there's a lot of big ones you could go to, but there's only like so many times you can do a bat one. Like, cause yeah, yeah. Like, okay, yeah, we all we all understand. Well, so so like I'm waiting for the one of the dark of of um almost that zero hour one, but where where Hal, what's it called, the the parallax story, where he goes uh and wipes out the night, night judgment judgment night or whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, whatever it's called. Like, yeah. Give me the dark. Give me the dark version of that one. That one I feel <laughs> would necessitate that because that is a dark moment going throughout. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this one was just kind of like, I don't know what the next one is, but I'm not keen to read it. I was I was kind of on I iffy with After Hush. Yeah, I don't think there is a next one. I think there was only these two announced. Was there only these two? Because I felt like there was more. Maybe. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there but, was another one after that. Yeah. But I don't remember these two being announced. But, but yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, do I rate it? If I, I have to rate it, yeah. I mean, the art's fine. Uh, I just, I don't connect to the story that much, so I, I would probably give it a 5-5. Five, five, you know. Sure. About there. Okay. Uh, in that case, I'll take out the part of the show where we pick our favorite stuff for the week. There are panel slash moment of the week, favorite cover, favorite art, and top five books, which is basically what we both read. Although you read that one extra one. I don't imagine that's going to end up on your top five, though. Uh, yeah. So we'll start off with panel slash moment. Uh, what, what, are you, what are you going with? So I'm going to go with the Frost King being revealed and almost yelling vengeance as he comes up, which then <laughs> took me to get my phone out and I put on some Amon Amarth, which is a Viking death metal band. Um, and the song that played was Vengeance is Mine. So it worked out perfectly. Um, and it, and it was I was able to finish reading the book, listening to Viking metal. And it was perfect. It has to be Batgirl's calling Batgirl Prime. It has, oh, of course. It has to be. It, 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 it was like vindication. It was like, yes, you've been asking for this. Even though it's probably, I mean, let's be honest, it's probably the, the bottom ranking book for me this week. But mm-hmm. my favorite moment is still Batgirl's calling Batgirl Prime. That wins. So it, it's good. Yeah. Uh, there we get the cover. I'll jump in here first for this one, I suppose. Okay. Um, I've actually got two Matina variants because he's got one for both Batman and mm-hmm. Batman Catwoman and they're both pretty good. Mm-hmm. The, the one for Batman especially I quite like. Um, and obviously Strange Adventures usually has good covers. I think the one I'm going to yeah. pick though is actually the deceased variant that's basically the Shazam movie but with Mary Marvel yeah. instead. Yeah. Um, I think because Mary Marvel's been getting such a great spotlight from Inkillables into this deceased book, her, her getting this cover is really yeah. nice. It's a really pretty cover as well as being a fun concept. So... Yeah, I, I do feel like with, with her, she it's time for her to get the Supergirl treatment, mm-hmm. where she can maybe take a little bit of the spotlight from Billy, 
because you know i like billy he's fine but at this point a tom taylor marvel's book where she's kind of the star i would be more than okay with or even just give Tom Taylor the Shazam book where he can do the whole family if he well, wants. Yeah. Well, and, and that's what I mean, yeah. where, where she's kind of taking precedent, though, a little bit. Sure. Um, damn, League of Comic Geeks has, has changed since I've been on here. Oh, yeah, so you've, like, you've done my... on. Um, it, no. It's not much the same way. You may have to click the little filter button to get just DC. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. Well, I used to have it set up, and then I had to restart the computer and all this other stuff, so yeah. everything kind of just disappeared. Um, because I gotta, I gotta see the variants here. Oh, of course, yes. Uh, Batman Catwoman has like twenty of them, so. <laughs> yeah, so it's probably not gonna be from that. Um, I just want to see the endless winter. Cause well, I mean that's a good enough cover too. But I don't want to do good enough. Too bad we didn't talk about Metal Man because that's a pretty fun cover. It has like the. Yeah. yeah. Starkness. It looks like that. Uh, the guy that worked in the '60s, uh, Saul Bass. He did all the for like Hitchcock. The title sequences and stuff. There's a very sawbass. Uh, oh, come on, computer. This thing is ancient. Oh, that variant's not that great. Actually, I would also almost say that variant's almost bad. Yeah, so I'll just go with the uh, Endless Winter main cover, I think. Who is sure. that on the cover? Is that Manipal, I think? I think so. Or no, it's Janin. Was it Janin? Oh, so, there you go. Yeah, that makes sense then. I like the Manipoli asking colors, which it, is why I think I thought. And that. I think that's why I think because it's got the soft tones that yeah. Manipoli usually does. Uh, yeah. That's cool. All right. Uh, all right. Then best uh, art of the week, Matt. We got. Uh, it's Strange Adventures. It's hard. It's hard. To, I mean, that combination is hard to argue with. Yeah. Uh, for sure. Um, although Clayman, I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's worth mentioning. Uh, I'll say that. Yes. Definitely. Uh, so that's fair. But uh, I will actually agree with. Strange Adventures is uh, best art. All right, Matt, what's your top five books of the week? All right, so uh, this is where it's tough work because they're both equal, you know. Um, do I want to put Strange Adventures number one or Deceased? Mm. So I think I'm going to go Deceased number one, Strange Adventures two, uh, Endless Winter three, Batman Catwoman four, and then Batman five. Yeah, I would put Strange Adventures number one. And then... I think Endless Winter number two, Batman Catwoman number three, Deceased number four, Batman number five. I will say, I mean, obviously Batman's the murkier one because it has those art mm-hmm. problems and things we don't yeah. like, but I will say for a week, oh, a, week, a week with, you know, essentially five books, it's a really solid yeah. week. Like, that, like that's, that's, that's a high caliber and, you know, quality standard across the, across the slate there. Uh, so that's really cool. Um, but I will tell you what's coming next week. So uh, let's see what we'll be talking about then. Uh, so Detective Comics 1032 is coming out, although we won't mm-hmm. be talking about that because none of us read it, but it's there. Uh, and if Connor's back, hopefully, if he gets his computer working. Um, but we will be talking about Flash 767 because that is Endless Winter Chapter 2. Uh, Wonder Woman 768 is out. Oh, I, I was very, I was definitely lying because Tales from the Dark Multiverse Flashpoint yeah. issue 1 is out next week. Uh, Remember so I said I don't want to read these? That, that's how they get me, because I do... Flashpoint is one that would be a good idea. You know? Yeah, who's uh, who's on that bad boy? That's what I'm looking at. Here we go. Uh, Brian Hitch and David Marquez. Uh-huh. Marquez art would mm. be... Is... Marquez art's almost worth it. Marquez art should be good on that. Uh, Green Lantern Season 2, Issue 10 is out. 
Dark Knight, Dark Knight's Death Metal, The Last Stories of the DC Universe, issue one. Uh, but notably, this is this is uh, one of the, the big ones that feels like it's going to be very relevant for the universe going yeah. forward. Uh, That's why it's got a nine dollar price tag. Yeah, it's a biggie. It's it's got a uh, it's got and Dick and Donna on 80. the front. It's got yeah. Oh well, it's got the original uh, All New Teen Titans. You're right, yeah. Yeah, yeah I didn't click yeah, that make Beast it bigger. Boy, Raven, Starfire, Kid Flash, Cyborg, Robin, and Wonder Girl. Yeah, so, this one yeah. feels important as opposed to the last yeah. few tie-ins, so hopefully that, that, that yeah. tracks. Well, <laughs> and here's here's your murderer's row of, of writers on this one. You got Scott Snyder, you got Jeff Lemire, you got Williamson, you got Gail Simone, Mark <laughs> Wade, oh. James Tynan, Chris Sabella, uh, Cecile Castellucci and Mariko Tamaki. Yeah, that that um, is like a all star list. Artist, I think it's the only artist mentioned is Francis Manipal. Yeah, the so, rest of it all just cover artists. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then you have Tula Lote as the main artist. So that's that Gary Frank. So yeah. Um, as much as I was complaining about the tie-ins, this would be definitely one I would not miss. No, that's, that's one of those that solicited that looked like it was important. Yep. So uh, it's this one, and then there's one that's like, you know, mm-hmm. Lost Generations next month that's equally yeah. as big that seems is it just as important. And this, so. this has the Frank variant. Um, yes. Which means I won't be buying two. So it's like, do I want the Lote? Do I want the Frank one that seems like it was supposed to go to Generations? Well, the Frank one lines up with the next couple of things. So there's like yeah. three of them that all line yeah. up. I feel like that's where you go, but I mean, that's up yeah. to you. Uh, we have Batman Black and White issue one out next week. Uh, we got mm-hmm. Superman Endless Winter Special issue one, which is chapter three of the story. Uh, American Vampire 1976 issue three is out, as is Sweet Tooth the Return issue two. And of course, DC's annual Christmas anthology book, DC's Very Merry Multiverse issue one is out, which is a $10, you know, 80-page book or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. I can guarantee we're not going to be reading that, especially with the other important 80-page book that is actually, yeah. you know, interesting to us, but... Um, that's yeah. an interesting. Uh, it's not actually that many, but obviously we have the big couple of ones there, a couple mm-hmm. of endless winter chapters, and I think that that death metal tie-in are going to be the highlights of next week. So mm-hmm. uh, look forward uh, to that, um, and we'll see how things fare. Uh, but that is pretty much us. I will take the time to thank our Patreon producers for the month um, here. So thank you to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Short. Board now, Al Treisman, Christopher Moy, Brett Williams, and David Brown. They are Patreon producers for the month, meaning they are $20 or more on patreon.com slash TV. But you can, of course, support us for as little as $1 per month and get some bonuses for your trouble. At the $5 tier specifically, you get early access to the podcast by a day, as well as other shows from Mailfuzz TV. But obviously, this one is the most relevant thing to your interest if you're here. Uh, so go and have a look over there, see if you want to support the show and keep everything coming. Uh, you can also support us in other simple ways, such as uh, hitting the like button on YouTube, subscribing, uh, sharing us on Twitter, reviewing the podcast on iTunes, giving us five stars, that kind of thing. Uh, all of that stuff really helps and spreads the podcast around and more people will find us and lets us grow. So please do consider doing any and all of those things. Thank you kindly. But uh, Otherwise, get us on Twitter at DC Comics Podcast for questions and shenanigans and whatever else. Uh, but that is us. So I'm just mm-hmm. trying to think if I'm forgetting anything. I don't think so. I think that is that is the show. Sounds sounds about right. So yeah, thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Um, so everyone, go and be nice and tell Matt your happy's back uh, on Twitter. Um, but thank you once again. We'll see you next time. Keep reading DC Comics and remember to never get lost in the Speed Force.
Just remember, Bret Hart's better than Shawn Michaels. That's just a fact. 